to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm coming at you this Sunday evening with a hip-hop artist, producer. Um, he's got a uh, uh, couple tapes that he's dropped in the last uh, couple months. Uh, beat Tape, uh, which is Fresh Produce Isle 2. Um, he's got another tape, uh, which is Incredible Feeling, which also came out last fall. Uh, he originally from Milwaukee. Uh, he's now living in Las Vegas. I'm excited to talk to him about his passions, artistry, and why he's doing what he's doing. Thank you very much, Regal, for joining me today. Man, thank you for having me, B. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's it's good to finally do this. I know it's been a conversation for uh, a long time, but um, right. it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like, you know, um, I know you personally just from watching you in the music scene for so long, but I'm glad we could like act. I think this is our first time having an actual conversation. It is, man, because you kind of like started to surface on the scene right after I left. So it was like we never got that chance to like meet up or anything like that. But I definitely been seeing you rise and like doing interviews. I watch a lot of them. And I just see that you really providing a platform for people to get to know artists in the city and not just hear them, you know what I mean? Like really get to see what was the science behind a lot of things that they did and just how we think, how we operate and it can inspire other artists and just draw in new, you know, fans and people that could support us, you know what I'm saying? So it's appreciated on both ends, for real. Sure, I appreciate that, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really dope people from so many walks of life out here and uh, just wanna, get to know every single one of them, you know? Um, right. Yeah, well, uh, to start, um, Regal, uh, how are you? How was your day today? It was pretty good, man. It was a little behind on our meeting. <laughs> Lost track of time, man. A uh, uh, roommate stepped out of town. He had to get to the airport at 5 a.m., so I was up at like 4.30, and it made me kind of sleep later and threw my whole day back. But we still on track, man. I'm still on schedule for everything right now. It's looking pretty good, man. There you go. How, how's the weather out there right now? Like 70. You know, it ain't too bad. It's like 65, 70. It's floating in between them, between, floating in between that area. That's perfect. You know, that, that's, <laughs> that's real ideal. It's uh, got about to 41 degrees here in Milwaukee today. Ooh. But the snow is melting. That. Snow is mm -hmm. melting. March uh, is always the most hideous month at the crib it literally is weather wise like i know exactly i know all about it man i ran away yeah. from it <laughs> yeah because the weather is so it just like constantly teeters of like still winter like sort of spring but like not yet it right yeah, i i dread this time of year but um mm -hmm. yeah but that's why i do so many of these to get through it so <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And mm -hmm. so, Regal, um, as mentioned before, you know, I've been following your, your work for a couple of years now. Uh, we've covered you several times on Breaking and Entering. Uh, really loved um, the video you, you did recently. Um, uh, what the fuck was the last flames bond yes yes yeah yeah flames um, bond was so it was it was a spectacular uh 
visual what you did there. Uh, I, I fucked with it a lot. Appreciate it, man. Um, I did that last year when I um, went down to Hawaii for the first time. I did a show with my homie Hakeem Paragon, who's also from Milwaukee. But um, that's like my friend since the fourth grade. And uh, me and him came up together doing music and he really built his name on the scene in Hawaii and did a, a festival off of based around a song that we did together called Love For It. That came from a conversation we had after he told me the song and then like, let me hear it. And I was just like, you know, the most universal feeling on the planet is love. Everybody relates to that. You know, everybody has feel, felt it, experienced it, you know, so I was like, like, focus on that man like make everything surround around that I was I got that from Kendrick Lamar hearing that in an interview with him and so Keem rolled with it he rolled the single out and people really attached to it so we made a festival called Love for a Fest and they flew me down there to do the show it was incredible it was like a three-day event and Hakeem also is a jack of all trades will be an engineer rapper writer producer he's a videographer so he came to me and he was like Mike like pick a song, we finna do a video, we finna get it done, bro, let's get it done. So I'm like, all right, we picked that song and man, it's just the landscaping down there is so crazy. It's just like, we literally just, he knew some spots. We went there and just shot it. We brainstormed some ideas, of course, beforehand, but it was really just a lot of just like us just going around and just looking and being like, okay, let's do this. And really the only thing we kind of super premeditated was the scene driving down that uh that like the tunnel yeah yeah we wanted to kind of do it like the joker did in the dark night and it was it was pretty nice capturing that man it's that's an incredible place man yeah i've never been i've i've always wanted to go out there but that's super cool i particularly fucked with the color scheme uh the like oh, yeah. of, of the video uh i really like that aesthetic you know Appreciate it, man. It was it was a blessing, man. And just like I said, it was just so beautiful everywhere down there. It was just like, let's just go here and shoot. Let's just go here and shoot. And uh, Hakeem is also a vet. So uh, he knew of like a, a naval base that was close. He stays kind of on the army base. His wife is a vet, too. So that's where we got the boat scene. It was just like a whole bunch of Navy ships. He was like, I literally want you to just get out the car and walk and then I'm gonna make it blow up. I'm like, you gonna make it blow up? Like, <laughs> and he brought it together, man. <laughs> Magic, yeah. Shout out to Hakeem, for real. That's, for real. So we'll talk more about uh, what you've been working on lately. But first, uh, taking it back. So uh, are you um, like born and raised in Milwaukee? Yes. Oh, okay. um, right on the north side, man. Till 2016, I had never lived anywhere else word okay yeah sure um so yeah i guess um th that said uh i'd love to hear a little bit about like the role that music played in your life like growing up like when you were a kid what did you have playing in the house just like kind of how did it yeah just i guess like how uh did it like really first manifest with you okay well you know just being born at the top of the 90s just like 1990 it's like uh, by the time I was like five or six, that's when I really started to retain what I was like music and understand it. The first thing that really gravitated me towards hip hop was the movie Juice. And it's all from my older sister. And um, she had the movie and recorded it when it came on TV. You know, we had the VHS then. So I watched the tape 
And I remember just being blown away by the movie. And I was just like, what is this? Like as a five-year-old, like I remember getting shoe boxes and just acting like I was scratching yeah. with uh, Q and all that. It was just so fascinating. And then age six, uh, my older sister really got into like the All Eyes on Me album and really got into the West Coast scene very, very heavily. So she listened to a lot of West Coast artists like Spice One, Tupac, um, Snoop, you know, the whole DPG, like listen to Mac 10, all that kind of stuff. And my mom's, of course, and my family, I was raised by my grandmother too. They listen to all old stuff. You know what I'm saying? All soulful stuff. I got two older sisters. And the one in the middle, Tanya, is the one that introduced me to rap. But my oldest sister, Chrissy, was the old soul of the family. So she was more like only a couple years older than Tanya, but she listened to all the stuff my mom's and my grandmother listened to. And I used to, we used to have a lot of family get togethers. So the kids would always go in the room and play, but the adults would be in like the living room playing cards, doing whatever they do. And just hearing all those vibes, all the Marvin Gaye, all the whispers, all the Grover Washington, that was my grandmother's favorite artist. Hearing all that just growing up, I didn't realize I was soaking it all up. You know what I mean? And also around a couple years after six, cash money, uh, no limit, all that kind of comes into the scene. And then it leads to me liking Little John and Chop the Screw music. So I would say that growing up, I listened to a lot of old stuff, a lot of West Coast and a lot of Southern music. And those three things really inspire my sound. Like if you listen to it, it's a little bit of bounce from the West Coast. It's ironic I live out here now because I didn't plan it. It was just kind of out of nowhere. Um, South is all about the hard drums, the bass, the bounce, the rhythm, just moving. And then soul is always kind of just what I bring to it as a whole and even how I approach it lyrically a lot of times. So I pulled from all of those, my older cousins, sisters, grandmothers, and parents. And that just came into a ball and kind of just created Regal. You know what I mean? In uh, early 20s, I really got into New York rap and stuff. So that's when I found out about, well, really found out about Jay-Z at 16 from my math teacher. And that really just drove me to be a lyricist, listening to him, Nas, Wu-Tang, you know what I'm saying? KRS, all that kind of stuff like that, everything. I went back and studied everything. And <clears throat> it just really drove me to be a storyteller. So with those sound elements that I already absorbed as a kid, when later I started to become a rapper, and I studied New York rappers, those four realms just kind of came together and made Regal. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's quite an eclectic blend. It of, is. I know it's weird. <laughs> yeah. But it's the best way to be, though, for sure. That's how it is back in Milwaukee, man. It's this culture. It's heavily cultured there. A lot of people don't know that. Totally. Oh, yeah. Well, Pitchfork definitely doesn't know that. Yeah, appreciate the light, but it was very underhanded to me. I was like, it's kind of bogus. <laughs> I agree. I agree. They, yeah. they kind of, it's very one-sided, you know. That all said, I like what, so how did you, how did you get started with like um, creating music and like kind of uh, trying your hands at it yourself? Mm. Well, that happened um, in high school. And um, I went to a private school called CEO Leadership Academy. It wasn't really an NPS. It was like a Christian high school, actually. And it was in a church on Atkinson and Roosevelt. And um, 
I hated it at first. Like my freshman year, I had to wear like a uniform and shirt and ties and all that. But around my junior year, I started to just want to really, I just started to be like the go-to guy at school when it came to like beating on the lunch table and everybody's freestyling. Like, yo, go get Mike, go get Mike. Because I used to throw the pan in the air, catch it, do all kind of crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I got on my teacher's nerves with it because I would just, it was like a second nature. I would just be sitting there and just all the time, Mike, stop. Okay. Three seconds later. Right. Where you do it like unconsciously at at a point. Yeah, it was crazy. I didn't, I didn't know what was happening, but it was starting to unlock the musical side of me was coming out. And um, it was my teacher, Mr. Hall. He was my art teacher, actually. So we was in art class and I'm just. He's like, Mike. Do you play the drums or something? I'm like, nah, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't play no drums. I ain't never played no instruments. He was like, so do you want to like make music though? I'm like, I don't even know how, you know what I'm saying? Like the only music I had done was with my best friend, um, Damo. I used to just beat on the table. He would rap and then we recorded on a tape recorder. That's all we knew. So I was like, you know, I don't really know how to do it or nothing like that. He said, you got a computer at home? I was a little embarrassed. I'm like, man, all we got is a Windows 98 gateway. And this is like 2007. So I'm like, so (laughs) I was way We had that shit too. We had that shit. Yeah, that (laughs) big box. Yeah, (laughs) boxy ass computer. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I was like, yo, this still takes floppy disk hall. I don't know what you can do with this. He said, said, well, all right, come see me at the end of the day, man. I said, okay. I came back at the end of the day. He had Fruity Loops three on a floppy disk he told me just plug this in and follow the steps and he said just play around with it and then come back to me tomorrow so I was like all right I went home straight home so I plugged it in and when it just that noise that this fruity loops makes a noise when it opened it goes whoop. it did that and I remember just being like whoa <laughs> like I didn't know where to start I was just like, damn and I just started throwing stuff in the sequencer and it sounded terrible, but I was just so geeked. I was like, yo, this is, this is like a beat. I called Dom, I I'm, got the phone up to the speaker. I'm like, yo, do you hear this dog making beats though? So it's like, I went back the next day. I'm like, okay, I was just putting sounds in there, but how do I, how do I get the rhythm? How do I get it to sound like this? Like, you know what I'm saying? He was like, and Hall started to teach me. And um, I learned the basics. So I, I downloaded a, fruity loops in the computer lab at my school because they had a way better computer they had new dells so i was like all right i can get the new fruity loops which was like five at the time or something like that so i got the demo i bought speakers from walmart some wall like some desktop speakers it was like 25 dollars. i used to bring those in a separate book bag every day and i would after school go in the computer lab hook my speakers up and make beats because that's when i could really do it more yeah i used to I used to draw crowds and um, one day I was trying to sample something and it was a James Brown song and I was doing it so wrong, but I was trying to chop it. And the computer lab teacher, Mr. Averett, he came in there. He was like, hey, who, who, who's, just, who's just playing that James Brown? And I got quiet. I thought I was in trouble or something. So I was like, I thought that was me. Come outside, let me talk to you man. Come outside. So I'm like, damn. So we go in the hallway, he said, yo, you, you make beats? You you work on music? I was like, I'm trying to. I mean, you know, Hall gave me a program. I've been working with it. He said, sound like you know, it sounds like you don't know what you're doing, but you will know what you're doing. 
He said, what you doing after school? I said, nothing. He took me to a place over on, uh, oh, where is that? It's on East Capitol. I know where it's at exactly, but I can't remember the street. It's like two blocks off of East Capitol. Like, you know, when you go past the Walmart and you're getting close to UWM area, it's like two blocks off in a random warehouse. Took us there and that's when he had everything in boxes and it was still like being developed. They were still building walls, but he was like, by the time summer hit, we're gonna have a studio in here and I want you here every day. So when we graduated, well, not graduated, but the end of the school year, last day of school, I went to that studio and I just saw how it was. And I saw so many artists in there and producers. I was there every day for like the next two years after that. And that's what really just got me learning how to produce, make albums and do all that. All these cats was like 35 and older and I'm like 17, you know what I mean? I was all rooted in nineties rap. So it's like, when I started to learn about it, they was really putting me on game and stuff. Artists like Jamal and more low key artists, but that's what really started it, man. It was high school and going to CEO, meeting Hall and Averett. That's the coolest shit I've ever heard. Like that's, <laughs> dude, because, and I say that because like, the shit that like, you would have been like disciplined for doing in high school, like the shit that like would get, could get kids in trouble which is you know messing around and uh you know doing School like property for right 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 yeah. right like being a little too recreational um <laughs> with, with uh with like the the school computers and shit ended up becoming a fascination and like an obsession for you and the fact that you got like encouragement from your teachers is quite like awesome you know like yeah, and that 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 right there is like that's i think what being a good teacher is all about is like seeing that potential and really like championing that in right and in, in kids you know in in young people with that have a gift for something like that and that's that's mad dope um and it clearly uh it clearly um you know just snowballed from there it sounds like it did man it was a blessing man like i said i didn't like it because i was going to go to bayview that's where I, I went to uh bell middle school which is on the south side and like a lot of the homies i met there were going to bell because it's close they live down there i didn't i lived way on the north like i used to have to get up at 4 a.m to get there on time because of the school bus <laughs> so it's like i was first picked up last dropped off but uh you know, just like my mom's met the owners of this, my sisters actually were going to a church, Holy Redeemer. They just went there to try the church out and met Miss Pitchford, who was the owner, like the principal of the school and Dr. Fuller, who made the school. And they were just like, yo, this is the first class of students. And they signed me up immediately. They heard we had to wear uniforms and shirt and ties and stuff. And they were with it. I was pissed, but it was a blessing in disguise, man. Like you said, I probably wouldn't be on the path I am now if I hadn't met them. Yeah, certainly. For sure. For real. Yeah. Uh, so beyond that, uh, how, so uh, how did you end up finding your way into the music scene? Like, how did you infiltrate um, mm -hmm. the scene from there? Um, well, that happened. I first, my first thing going to a show was in 2013 and seeing the Sash crew, Blizz and the homies. Like I always followed them and watched them, but 
I just I interviewed was, Ducalion the other day, actually. Ducalion is very interesting. He'll, he he plays a role in this. Wait till I bring him up. That's like my my brother. You know what I'm saying? Me and him are real close. Like he's oh, right dope. in L.A. You know what I'm saying? We kick it all the time when I go out there. But that's that's my brother. No, no. I literally just the other day talked to him. That's dope. But watching the Savs crew do their thing, and I went to a show, you know, at the uh, at the BBC, and I just watched it was something they put together, and I was just like, damn, I want to start performing. I had been just, like, making music on the low, but everybody knew me as a producer, like Blizz. I kind of just approached him, just offering to send him beats. And, you know, he was just like, damn, this is dope. So 2013, I um I signed up for an Afton show. I didn't know what it was at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I did an Afton show at the Miramar. And um it, it was about like 20 people there, but Ducalion happened to be one of the people. So uh I was very nervous about it, man. I was scared to death. I didn't really want to do it. I was about to like chicken out and then like. My other homie, uh, Shad, who I grew up with, he used to rap, but he kind of just like, you know, it wasn't really him, so stepped off. But he was like, no, Mike, we here. You got to do this, bro. Like, just get up there and kill it, bro. So I'm like, all right. And I just do my thing. And really wasn't nobody rocking with it. I know I was off beat. My beats wasn't really where they need to be. But Ducalion was the one person that came to the front of the stage and was rocking with me. And he stepped to me and was like, yo, like, yo, you, you pretty dope, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, you know, who's making your beats? Who's doing all this? Who are you working with? I'm like, I do all this. I record it, like the beats, everything. He was like, oh, he started introducing me to people on the scene. You know what I mean? It started bringing me out to shows, rapping with him. And what really helped me after that, I was just kind of popping up at places and doing little feature sets and stuff like that. And what really got me like noticed was when I did the beatdown. I did that in 2013, the first year, and I lost, but I did real good. I feel like, um, honestly, the guy who won, Bubba, who who ended up winning was the guy that beat me. He came to me and was like, yo, you really won this battle, man. It's just like, this is a numbers game. So I didn't understand what he meant, but it meant by how many people you brought. I only had about like five people with me, like my cousins, my uncle, like, close people you know what i mean he had about like 50 people there i remember yeah, yeah sure but the beats was crazy and that's what had jordan lee kind of just come to me and be like like yo man like where have you been at you know and he was like come back next year i lost you know i was a little discouraged and he was just like come back come back come back come back so i'm like all right um i really almost quit producing over that because it kind of you know shell shocked me yeah. and I just, I got over it, of course, and just kind of was like, you know what, I'm gonna go back and do it next year, but I'm gonna really do it. Like, I went above and beyond. I went straight to the Miramar and I talked to Aaron. I was figuring out who the owner was and I told him, give me a hundred tickets. And no, 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 I'm, I'm tripping. The first round was at the, uh, what's the name of that spot over there? Um, Cause I forgot about the preliminary round. Regardless, I, I inboxed over 200 people to come and I got about like 60 people to come. And I just rocked it, man. Like I did everything I could. Like I was jumping up and down. I was doing a lot of stuff other producers weren't doing because I had been going to shows and I realized what artists did to connect with the crowd, which was interact. And they would give off the energy they wanted to get back. 
So I was like, okay, I know every producer is going to stand up here and play their beats because we all just used to being in the house all day. We're not used to being in front of people as much as artists are. So I had the advantage of being an artist as well and just studying everybody performing on the scene. So as soon as my first beat plays, I'm just oh, oh, jumping up and down and doing And people were just like, whoa, what's this? Like, okay, yeah. hey, hey. And it just, <laughs> yes. it just went from there, man, and went to the championship round a couple months later after I won the preliminary. And that's when I went to Aaron and was like, give me a hundred tickets. I'm gonna sell them. He was like, a hundred tickets. And I was like, yeah. So I ended up selling 110. And all those people were coming to see me at the Miramar was sold out. I won that first one. And that's when things just really took off from there. Those beat downs really put me on the platform to get my rapping and performing out here. That's really how it kind of happened. Damn. You just like, you knew what you wanted. You, you, you knew what you were after, um, especially right. after that, the first Milltown, like uh, well-rounded yourself in terms of like the promotion aspect, which is yeah. massive out here. Like that's a real big component for sure. Um, yeah, man, it was, it took a lot of work too. It's a lot of work, but that's what we have to do. You know, as artists, if we really want to, in the beginning, if we really want to put ourselves in front of people, which is the most yeah. important thing. Yeah, push it. Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Um, what what uh what brought you uh out west? Um, actually, that happened because of my homie Sean Smart. You familiar with Sean Smart? Yeah. Um, so me and Sean Smart were working together a lot on his last project, and when he kind of left higher education, that opened up a lane for us to get real close. Like we kicked it all the time. And um, he started really dabbling into like the VR world. His homie Nick and Tyler and Riley, they had a company where they were doing like a VR game because it was kind of starting. This is 2016, early 2016. So VR is like the, they had the Oculus before it was really out and shit. So it's like, Sean was like um, doing the graphic design for them. Sean went to um, UW Madison and graduated from there for like graphic design and shit. So he was always dope with cover arts and stuff like that. So they had him doing like all of the UI stuff for the game, which is a user interface, which is like the menu and all that kind of stuff on the game. So they had a character on the game and Sean was like, he came to me and was like, yo, Mike, like, what are you doing like tomorrow? And I was like, I ain't really got shit going on, what's up? He was like, well, he explained they was working on a game and he was just kind of like, our character like needs a voice <clears throat> so i'm like <laughs> you know what i'm saying he was like i know you can like talk like everybody dude so like i'm like yo mike is the dude he'll come up with some shit and bro i just i love the voices you're applying to the people that you <laughs> <laughs> it's just something i've always done man it's crazy i don't know it's like i don't know it's always yeah. something i do but Hilarious. he was just like uh He's like, yeah, so like, um, we're gonna be at like Tyler's grandmother's house and that's where we like set up shop. Uh, I could come and pick you up and we could look at everything. So I'm like, all right, we get there and they show me like the setup and this shit is a real fucking video game. So I'm looking at it and you gotta look at it through the, the goggles. So I'm like, whoa, like y'all working on this shit in this basement like this, this is crazy. So I'm like, what do y'all want me to do? It was like basically be him as he's walking around, like 
just whatever you see, just be a character. So I did that, just freestyled it for like, we did like four or five takes, which took about like maybe 20 minutes through the game. So I thought nothing of it. You know, they smoked me up. We smoked hella weed. So I thought that was cool. So I was like, shit, all right. If this shit ever come out, like uh, I'm going to be geeked and be like on my voice on a video game. So that's kind of how I thought about it. And I just kept going. Sean hit me back like maybe three weeks later, something like that. And he was like, dude, like we had an angel investor like buy the beta. So I'm like, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? He was like, I didn't know. At right. The time, this tech like, terminology and shit. Yeah, yeah, tech talk. I was like, huh? He was like, basically, he invested in the game for us to finish it. And he gave us 50 grand. So I'm going to be going to Las Vegas and we're going to move out there because the, the tech world is out there. CS, uh, C, uh, CES is out there, which is like yeah. a tech festival and all that. He's like, that's all out there. So we're going to move out there. So I was like, damn, you leaving for real because of the game? So in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking like, well, shit, is y'all going to give me a little money for this or what? You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah, okay. Right. So I got excited. So I'm like, Big Brand, that's crazy. He said, so we were just wondering like, if you wanted to come with us. And I'm like, what you mean? He was like, like, you could just come and like, if we need any creative input or anything, like, you could do that. You could run like the Twitter page and stuff and we'll pay for everything. So I was like, what you mean by that? He was like, I mean like food, rent, all, you don't have to pay for anything. So I'm like, for real? He was like, yeah. And I was really bubbling on the scene at that time. So I was just like, it was a hard decision. I was like, damn, do I just get up and leave? As soon as I'm really starting to like pop on the scene, like do I just leave like that? But I had to think about just, you know, the opportunities out here and just being close to L.A. and all these types of things that have really helped me a lot being out here. And like, so I just was like, damn, I just made the move. I decided to do it. I talked to my sister, my family, like everybody around me. And I just made that move, man. And it was because of Sean. And I stayed with them for like seven months. And they ended up going to Texas, but I decided to stay here. I didn't really want to go to Austin. Yeah, I was going to say Austin is like the big VR city. Um, I know that because one of my best friends lives down there and he was in that VR shit. I remember the first time you like do it, you're like, man, is this like, it's like you just opened a portal. Like, or right. Something, and that, like you're stepping into it and uh, it's like, what if I get lost in this portal? You know, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's it's pretty fucking trippy. It yeah. is, man. It's, it's crazy, and then, and then doing it every day, like every day, we were testing games and all that stuff. It's like it, you just look at the world differently after seeing it like that, and it's like, whoa! Like tech is so far ahead of the curve. It's like just the stuff I learned being around those guys, just looking at the world, I'm like, yo, everything we see now is old. Like even the new yeah. stuff is old. Like <laughs> yeah. we don't even know that yet. They're issuing and testing the stuff for 10 years from now, right now. Like it's, it's an interesting world, but I used yeah. being out here, you know, to just go back and forth to LA. And that's when I started really building like a lot of industry connects and stuff. Yeah, we're dope, dope. Um, well, shit. Uh, well, so I, I'd love to hear more about how 
you kind of started like shifting into rapping uh, yourself. Like, you know, I know you were really big into producing for such a long time. Like when did, when did you really start picking up rapping yourself? Oh, um, I was about 21 and my homie I brought up earlier, Damo, that's been my homie since the first grade. And he just always been a rapper. Like since we was writing in crayons, always been a rapper. And he was dope, but we got to a point when we graduated where like I put everything in the dime. I was straight a producer. I'm like, yo, like we gonna do this. It's all about you, I'm producing. And Dom was more allured by the streets at that time. So like Dom kind of took that turn where, you know, we were all there, but I just, I saw it differently. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of was like, if I want to be a producer, I can't be outside all day. You know what I mean? I have to be sitting down working. So we kind of did that. And that's when I was like, damn, I don't have nobody to rap on my stuff. <laughs> and I learned how to rap from Dom. So it kind of just led me to being like, yo, like, let me just try to rap on this stuff. And I just started writing and I couldn't write to my beats at first. They weren't good enough for me to like, as a rapper, I couldn't connect with them. So I would always write the instrumentals and my cousins around me and my family and friends, I let all them hear it. And they were the ones that really pushed me like, damn, Mike, like you actually kind of cold. Like most producers can't rap even if they tried, <laughs> but you know, you kind of cold, bro. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, damn. And I just, I just kept going from there, man. And it just, I, I kept, it was a few rappers I tried to really put everything into, but just the way the world worked, it just always ended up coming right back to me. And I'm like, you know what? I got to do it. Cause it just was something I began to love doing, you know? That's, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, Thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, you're right. You're right. There is kind of like a, um, you know, there isn't a whole lot of crossover between you pr producing and rapping yourself. Like, yeah. There's not a whole lot of artists that do that, but you know, it's really dope to be, you know, well-versed in, in, both, in both territories. I mean, that just adds to your versatility, 100%. Just adds to who you can work with, where it'll take you. Clearly, it has. Um, what was what was your uh, your first tape? Mm. Um, it was a project I did called Terminal Illness. And um, I just produced it all myself. Of course, I recorded it in FL and I worked on it for about like three, four months. I remember I took a picture and um, Hakeem was the only one that, Hakeem once again, the mastermind, was the only one that really knew how to work uh, Photoshop at that time. So he was like, send me the pic, Mike. I'm gonna knock it out. So I sent him the picture and we got the cover. I just remember being mind blown, like, yo, this is an album cover and just, I put it out, that was like 2012, yeah, like 2012, I put that out, just like on Facebook, basically, to my family and friends. Yeah, just put it out in the, in the universe, just see what happens. Yeah. 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 It was trash. <laughs> <laughs> it was trash. <laughs> Hey man, my first podcast attempt was trash too. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. Um, we all growing. <laughs> for sure. Certainly are. Um, so 
let's bring it a little closer to the present now. Um, so in the last year, um, so you've uh, obviously uh, dropped a couple projects and um, incredible feeling. Uh, mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about just kind of like the place you were in, like with this project and like kind of the place like it came from, like, what did you really want to do here? Like the statement you wanted to make with it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the project. Um, that the album title came from me having a conversation with my homie Tip, who is formerly an artist from the scene as T1 Guevara. He used to be like a dope rapper. And, um, you know, he just kind of felt more comfortable being behind the scenes. So Tip helps me a lot with like giving me advice on music and stuff. And me and him were having a conversation. And I was just like, man, I just want this next project to be full of stories, telling them me, you know, just more about me. And I just want, I just want to give off an incredible feeling, dog. And he was like, that's it. That's what you got to call it, dog. And I was like, damn. So once I got that title, I just started focusing on trying to make music that gave off that, like that incredible feeling. Even if I did like with Flames Bond with the high energy stuff, I wanted to give off that energy. And that's why I did the video that way. It's like being in Hawaii was such an incredible feeling. You know what I mean? Like it spoke for itself in so many different ways. And like Corvette memoirs, that was just like me giving my everyday where I've come from, like everything I've seen and just like being here and coming from Milwaukee, it's a lot of people that don't make it out of there, man. And it's like, it's hard. And it's just like, that was just, it's such an incredible feeling to have the opportunity to be here. So that was my mindset into that project, really just trying to give that off and let people know how much I'm just appreciating life right now. You know what I mean? Where I've come, where I'm going, where I've been, all of that. That was just the energy I wanted to put into this project. Man, that's euphoric. <laughs> it's like like i i i get what you're saying like that that feeling where everything just feels like it's falling into place and like the ideas are constantly getting absorbed and you just keep seeing checkpoint to checkpoint and it's just this really fluid journey where like you know what you're doing like yeah. you need that trial and that tribulation like all those times where you didn't win where you wished you won like to, to to finally overcome that and then like ascend to that place where it's like you feel like you're making all the right moves and shit right man it was like yeah that's it i was just no other way to put it and it was just like that's it and then even when i told people about the name like whenever i would say like i'm gonna call the next incredible feeling everybody was like, whoa like i want to hear that <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean so yeah, man, that's just, I yeah. love that project, man. Like, just thinking about how some of that stuff came together, man. It's just, it was incredible. That's the only word I could use. Yeah, dude, it's fire. It's a really good project. Thank you, man. I appreciate and, that a lot. Yeah, and in my own desire for that ascension to get to that place, you know, where the uncertainty is is just so minimized, like, you know, um that that really hits home for sure because yeah. i want that too every we all do right um tell me about fresh produce aisle two aisle two well this actually traces back to 2012 when i dropped terminal illness 
I put out two beat tapes that year as well and another uh, rap album. I put out a beat tape called MI87 Rari, which really introduced me to a lot of artists on the scene because they listened to it and wanted the beats and stuff like that. But an 87 Ferrari is a car I just can't wait to just have, you know what I mean? Just always liked it. And um, I made a, another project. I used Beethoven for the cover and um, a picture of him. And it was called Fresh Produce because I just kind of thought of that name. I was at the grocery store with my sister and I saw it and my brain just kind of twisted it and was like, yo, you're a producer. You're giving new beats out. That's Fresh Produce. Like, that's food for thought. You know, I was just like, oh, and I was like, came up with that idea. So later, the homies, Ian Ewing and Christian Stralo from No Life oh, yeah. And, yeah. and Ty Beck, they approached me that they were doing like uh, collaborative albums with artists. So they were saying like, yo, we would love to like do something with you, do like a single with you. And the homie Ryan Butts had actually did that cover for me like three years ago. And I was like about to drop it. I had totally different beats and everything, but I kind of just pulled back, it didn't feel right. So I didn't do it. And when they hit me up, I had just recently been like kind of putting my mind in the realm of working on Fresh Photos Isle too. Cause I was like, I want to do another beat tape this year. The universe works how it works, you know what I'm saying? And they hit me up. So I was like, damn, like I'm actually halfway done with it. And they were like, all right, we'll send us some beats. You know, we'll see what we can work with. And that's when I sent them a batch of beats, but it had Dill Pickle in it. And they heard that beat and was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, this is what I'm trying to do with it. So like they did that and were like, yo, we'll put that out as a single. And then we can do this whole EP if you want to, like as a collaborative. So I was like, cool, because they got like a lot of platforms. Like the beats have gotten like over 100,000 listens. You know what I mean? Like collabing with them is crazy. And um, I just kind of like picked some beats that I had been working on and thinking like, this sounds good to just listen to. I kind of was studying like um, the homie Xavier Ruffin. I stay at his house whenever I go out to LA, I crash with him. And um, he listens to a lot of beats while he works on his graphics. And I kind of just studied that. I was like, yo, these beats got like a repetitive sound. It don't change much, but it can just play the background. And I studied him just listening to it. And I was like, that's what I want to do with Fresh Produce. I want these beats to be able to just play the background in life. Like you can just let this album cycle. You can clean the house, you can study, you can do whatever. You could run errands real quick and play these beats or whatever. Yeah. And you know, that was the energy I put in it. Well, that's, a, I, I, I admire that um, correlation there because those, routine tasks of like shopping grocery shopping for example and like you're especially the i feel like the produce is like the section you spend the most time in you know yeah. at least at least i do and definitely <laughs> and definitely like do. and you think about like and there's just that sort of like a lot of times in the grocery store it's like elevator music in the background you know it's just some easy listening shit right yeah and so that sort of that philosophy you had with this batch of songs of like some shit that can really just be, you know, background shit to like going about your routine and whatnot yeah. is um, it lines up pretty well. There's a, there's a pretty good uh, alignment there. And one other thing that really connected with it was the fact that one of my first jobs was pick and save. 
Oh, and yeah. that was when, yeah, so it's like, that's why I had it where I was kind of sitting at the register working on beats and it's like a line of people like, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? Like, that was at the time when I did it, I was working at Pick and Save and that's why I was like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it also taps into just like memories too. You know what I mean? Anybody that worked at a grocery store might see that cover and be like, shit, that was my vibe too. Like, fuck that job. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> it sucks. I worked at Metro yeah. Market. Oh, Fuck man. that place. <laughs> Dude, it was... Man, yeah. corporate grocery is hell, bro. It's, it's terrible. It is, man. I feel you on that. Trust me. I was in and out of pick and save. I was there for like six months, man. Yeah. Doing them carts in the winter. I'll never forget it. It made a man <laughs> out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that shit like, killed me. I shed a whole <laughs> layer of skin over that shit. Right. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get that. Uh, are you uh, are you actually uh, a fan of pickles? Do you like pickles? Love them, man. I got a jar in the refrigerator right now. Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I I love pickles. I'm partial to um, the uh, like the small whole dills. Those are the, those the baby the baby dills. The baby man. That's dills. What I got, that's, right. that's what I got too, man. You know what I'm saying? We on the same wave with that. <laughs> Miss me with the bread and butter pickles, right? Dill every time. No cucumbers. I don't even like cucumbers. I don't like them unless they pickle. <laughs> right, same. same. <laughs> they're they're bland as fuck unless they're pickles. Yeah, it only tastes good. I hate right. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess all this said, uh, I'd love to hear about what you're working on now. What's to, what's to come in the next couple months? Man, I actually got a body of work I've been working on, man. Um, I feel like it's done. I'm close to finishing it, man. It's going to be a very different energy. I don't really want to give the title away right now because um, it'll kind of give the rollout away. But um, I'm very, it's like I had to learn that one of my biggest weaknesses was that I was too attached to results. And that would discourage me as an artist. All of us get discouraged by that being too attached to results and things. And with this project, I didn't want to, I don't want to focus on that moving forward with anything I do. Like I just want to do it. And like I, this project was a lot of free wills, kind of, it's not in one direction sonically. And that's how I wanted it. You know what I mean? Like I'm working with a lot of artists. Um, I got one of my first major features on it. You know, I won't give away who it is, but I was blessed with an opportunity to work with a major artist. We got a track together. I'm geeked to put out on that. And um, just, man, I, I can't wait to put this out. It'll be out soon. I'm thinking within the next couple months, I'm going to get ready to put something out. But I got it about 90% done right now. And I'm about 30% into the one after that. <laughs> yeah. I I feel and the next beat tape is about fifty percent right. done. So see, see, yeah. like this point, you, you know, all of this is just so instinctual for you. Like you know, you're really applying those ideas, you know, into real time. You know, way ahead of yourself. And I mean, dude, you're you're killing it, man. You're Appreciate killing that, man. Thank you, man. For real. It's it's a lot of long nights and long days, man, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? It's what I love to do, so I don't complain, man. It's a blessing to even do it and have people 
want to listen to it, man. You want to interview me, all that, man. I appreciate it all. Dude, yeah, man. That shit just gave me goosebumps. Like, <laughs> like, <don't> you, like <laughs> because it's like, I mean, because it's like that right there is the exact like core of like what I want to dig into with this show with yeah. doing these interviews is like really mining people's perception perspectives of like why they do what they do and yeah. you are just you know it, it sounds like you know you you've like accepted that you are you know forever like a student to what you're doing and that's why you work so hard absolutely yeah and it's just it's really awesome to see like it's just so 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 dope like to see that work ethic in uh fellow creatives and uh yeah man i'm lo really looking forward to what you have in store and um i will be uh uh I'll, it'll be on my radar uh, over at uh, B and E. Oh man, you definitely gonna get it before it's out, man. You know I always give it to you, man. Shout out to Alan too, man. Always showing love, Dude, man. I'm definitely rocking with y'all before this. He's come my out, brother, man. Yeah. yeah, he's. If it weren't for him and like this platform that like we've built together, like, yeah, dude, it's. I, I'm proud of what we're building, for sure. But it we couldn't do it without all of you. We couldn't do it without you. You know? And it's really growing, man. I see it, man. I see the dedication y'all take it serious. And like, y'all are the type of journalists, man, that the game really needs, man. And that time is going to come, man. Like, trust me, man. I got y'all. Any way I can help, I will. Trust me. Right back at you. So as we're closing out here, I ask everyone the same two questions. Um, Regal, what keeps you up at night? Man, goals. Because I got so many I want to obtain, but I have to execute them. That's what keeps me up, man. Just game planning how to execute these goals and not necessarily saying they're huge goals, but the small ones lead to the big ones. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's a lot of small goals I'm just trying to achieve daily. Right. Yeah. Incremental ones for sure. Definitely. What puts you to sleep? Hmm. Being tired. <laughs> no, but uh, actually um, understanding how important it is. That's what puts me to sleep. Um, I really changed like my physical being. I, I really got into like physical training heavy. Like I go to the gym a lot. Like I made a big transformation with my body and all that kind of stuff. And I realized what it did to my mind as well. And just learning it inside out sleep is so essential to just everything it's the gas to the car oh, so yeah. you know i try to take advantage of all the time i do have but you know i try to get that sleep as well so just understanding how important it is that's what gets me to sleep totally. you know what i mean just knowing i need that to get the goals yeah honestly like i you know i i really admire uh and envy creatives that can run on very little sleep that don't sleep a whole lot and there's a lot of them around here that that like sleep you know three or four hours or some shit i'm like dude i i'm out cold for like at least eight hours <laughs> like like right i, I value Dang. like i really value my sleep and hey. you know once i wake up that like when i wake up you know it's go time you know like right. i 
make some coffee. I come to my computer and I get to work. And Same. That's all I need. It's essential, man. It'll catch up to them, man. They'll realize one day they need that sleep, man, when that motor gets to running low. So, you know, they always know. They'll find out right. sooner or later. But the fact that you sleep that eight hours, man, that's pivotal. It is. That's why that brain is powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being on the show, man. This was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Man, thanks for having me. I did too, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. For everyone watching, uh, I'll be uh, tagging Regal so you can stream his projects, his beat tapes, uh, all Please that do. good stuff. And um, if, uh, if real quick, uh, if, if someone wants to get in touch with you on like a beat or something, uh, what's your preferred method of communication? Um, you know, you can just direct message me most of the time on any platform, you know, at way Too regal on Instagram, uh, Mike Regal on uh, Facebook. You can just hit me up, man. I'm willing to work with anybody. Not saying it like that, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't really judge the artists. You know what I mean? I'm always open to work with people. A lot of people have come to me and say like, man, I'm surprised you would even work with me. You know, I'd be like, nah, it's, it's not like that, man. You, you never know who you could be by tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? I want to get my bid in. If you're nice, let's work. You know, everybody needs yeah. help and progressing. And, you know, I do that a lot with artists, you know, so you can DM me anywhere, man. Just hit nope. me up. Word. Email, whatever. <laughs> you heard the man, you know what to do. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Peace.